right, everybody? This is the Brokenness Two Faith Podcast. You're here with your boys, Marky Mark. And I'm Noah. Yes, he is Noah. And um, we're going to be talking today about a certain topic that kind of has to go with what's going on today. But before we get there, I'm going to leave you with that cliffhanger. Um, we're going to tell you about our social media, Brokenness underscore two underscore faith at... Um, right, that's our Instagram. Whatever. It's been a long day. And then go to brokenness2faith at gmail.com. There you go. The email gets checked daily, but we do have an Instagram, brokenness underscore two underscore faith. That's at our Instagram account. Check it out. Updates. All that stuff. If you have concerns, comments, hate mail, um, you know, we get that all the time. You can, um, you can just email us, ask us some questions. Oh, you guys haven't done a topic on this. How can you talk about this? Well, let us know. Yeah, um, let us know. We'll, we'll happily uh, talk about it at some point. Um, but today we're going to be talking, it's not necessarily a direct, like, very specific thing, but we're going to be talking about groupings. What do I mean by groupings? Well, in today's society and what's going on right now, um, we're seeing a lot of different groupings. We're seeing... Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, and it's like they're grouping people who's going to vote for Trump, who's going to vote for Joe Biden. You're seeing these groupings of people who say Black Lives Matter versus Blue Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter um, versus all these different things, and you're seeing people get grouped, and they're getting grouped by other people. You're seeing Democrats point the finger at certain conservatives, and they put them in this bubble, this group, and you're seeing conservatives with just as much maybe hate even sometimes grouping these Democrats in certain things. And then you're seeing it on a day-to-day basis, um, just groupings even in the church. You, you get you, People group certain people, oh, they have a 9 a.m. service? Well, that must be just full of old people and a really boring message and old hymns. And then you see, oh, there's, there's this later service? I bet that's more hip, young people and... And stuff like that. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying we have a mindset where we group people together. Yet, if you look at the Bible, and especially specifically, you look at Jesus, um, who who you know is the new covenant. He brought about this new covenant. He crossed group lines. Right. He crossed the divide. He could he could care less. In today's day and age, I'm going to keep it 100. I don't mean this as a negative. But he could care less about Blue Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. He could care less about Republicans, Democrats. He could care less about your skin color. He could care less about um, what what you maybe believe politically. He goes above that. He goes beyond that. He will have a friendship and a relationship with you regardless. He ate with the tax collectors. He ate with all these, uh, the fairies. He did all these things. Because he did not let certain beliefs and certain groupings stop him for what he needed to and what he wanted to accomplish and what God wanted him to accomplish. And if we as Christians today have a mission, if we have things we need to accomplish, which in the Bible we do, we are called to go into all the nations and um, reach people. We're called to, to love on people. Then that goes beyond our groupings. If you are a Christian, but you maybe describe yourself as a liberal, and you will not talk to or get in-depth conversations with maybe your co-worker who's conservative, but they're not a believer, 
you are letting some political viewpoint stop you from reaching them and vice versa. If you are conservative but you have people you know who are liberal and you don't want to talk to them that much or you don't like them but that's stopping you from reaching them with the gospel, then that's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah, I, ha I have political beliefs. I have certain political beliefs and I'm strong on some of those political beliefs. But I cannot, and maybe in the past I've let this happen, but I cannot let political beliefs stop me from reaching the, oh, you have opposite political beliefs to me? Okay, we can't be friends. Why are we letting this stop us from reaching people with the gospel? And why are we letting this stop us from even having fellowship with other churches that might, you know, they're a Christian church, oh, but they believe in the rapture and we don't, so we can't fellowship with them, when in reality our goal is to reach our community. We're from the Coachella Valley. This podcast is recorded in Palm Desert, California. What does it matter if someone believes in the rapture or not? What does it matter if, if we are strong Bible-believing churches in the area, you know, loving God, strong Christians, we should be together and reaching the community. But for some reason, our theology gets in the way of that because we group each other up. Right. Our political beliefs, uh, we, we group each other by political beliefs or by race or by... Um, style of music or by style of people we hang out with and we group people together we lump them together and then for some reason that handicaps us from reaching people and it shouldn't but it doesn't Jesus crossed that he could care less about groupings he just wanted to reach people he didn't see you as such and such or in this group or that group he saw people as people who needed to be saved he had compassion on everybody and that's kind of what we're going at today. Right. And, and like you said, I think this is a, uh, a problem that we see everywhere, not just in the church, but in society as a whole. And it's not always the case, but sometimes with these, these groupings of people, there's oftentimes racism can be involved as well. Um, you know, grouping people by race or making assumptions about groups and things like that. All that can play into it. And there's just really no good thing that comes out of this, you know what I mean? And especially as Christians, like I said, when we're trying to reach people, if we have a certain idea about a group of people, let's say maybe it's uh, uh, homeless people, let's say for example, and you have this preconception that they're all crazy or that they don't want to talk to you, or that they're all alcoholics or whatever, you're not going to be likely to go up and talk to that person because you automatically put them into this group and you make an assumption based off of that group. Whereas Christians, we need to look at it and say, you know what, even though this person is a part of that group, that doesn't mean that they act certain ways or that they will have some of those characteristics. And we need to think as Jesus would think and say, look, this person might be a tax collector or a Samaritan or a leper or whatever, but I'm still gonna go and talk to them because one, they might not be like anybody else but two, more importantly, they still matter despite what group they belong to and what characteristics they might have, even if, regardless of what those characteristics are. You know, uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 28. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male, or, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And the same is true today, is what Paul says then, is that we are all the same, you know what I mean? And especially within the church itself, if you are grouping people, if you are looking at people and feeling like you need to separate because they're a different uh, denomination or a different political belief, that's not biblical in any way. 
You know, there's nothing biblical about separating yourself from somebody else and forming these different groups, you know? Yeah, and, and one, one story I want to share is um, the story of Jesus at the well, talks to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, and I want to just dissect just a small part in the beginning here. Um, he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Skychar. I'm probably botching S-Y-C-H-A-R. Sounds but good enough. I'm just a normal guy, guys. <laughs> I work a regular, secular, full-time job. I'm not a theologian. Near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. Two things I want to bring up real quick to set this up. It was about the sixth hour. Theologians, different people, you do the math, it's about noon. That's what they would consider it. So it's hot out. It's, 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 it's the heat of the, you know, it's the, the hottest part of the day for some people, maybe. And then there's another point I want to bring out here is Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. So this is before he talks to the Samaritan woman, but being wearied from his journey. So I like what this one writer said because he said, why... Why is that important? Um, being wearied from his journey, this person said, after a long day walking, Jesus was wearied. John, who's the writer, has been careful to show us that Jesus is God, but also wanted us to know that Jesus was not a superman. Jesus genuinely submitted to our human limitations. So right off the bat, this story to me, partially, the first part is he's coming to this world, and he's about to talk to the Samaritan woman, as someone who's human. Not just the, the, the healing side of Jesus, but he's coming to her as a human. He's weary. He, he's showing human emotion. And, and so when we say, oh, Jesus, he goes beyond the politics. He goes beyond the groupings. We say that, but if someone says, oh, well, yeah, well, he's God. And, you know, we have human limitations. Jesus came as fully God and fully man. I don't always quite understand that, but that's what it is. That's what the Bible says. If I am a Christian, side note, if I'm a Christian, I have to believe the whole Bible is true. There's no error. It might not be, there might be things I don't understand, but there's no error. And if you believe there's somewhere in the Bible, then you're not a Christian. Right. Sorry to say. But it says he's being weary from his journey. It shows that he, he, he has human limitations just like we do. You know, he's submitted to our human limitations. Now, uh, verse 7 to 9. A woman of Samaria, Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. One thing I liked, and, and I read this uh, somewhere else, um, the part where it says a woman, from, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. This woman came for water at an unusual hour. It was noon, like we mentioned earlier, and she came alone. Typically, women came for water earlier in the day, and they came in groups. Perhaps there was a sudden need, or perhaps she was a social outcast, or shunned by others, in, uh, shunned by other women in the community. Um, women usually came to draw water in company and at a cooler time of the day. She came at noon, and she came alone. Another person said, The Jews say that those who wish to get wives went to the wells where, where young women were accustomed to come and draw water. It's supposed that women of ill 
uh, fame frequented such places also. Um, Jesus was there. This lady's alone. Normally, um, they come in groups and they don't come at that time of the day. Um, the next part I want to bring up, it says, Jesus said to her, Well, by tradition, a rabbi would not speak with a woman in public, not even with his own wife. It was very unusual for a Jewish person of that time to ask a favor or accept a drink from a Samaritan's cup. Jesus' request genuinely surprised the woman. The, the disciples were also surprised that Jesus spoke to her. That's mentioned in John 4, 27. Jesus is already crossing groups. He's crossing divides. He's crossing political agendas of that time by one, talking to a Samaritan woman as a Jewish man, and two, not only talking to her, but asking in a sense of favor, hey, can you give me something to, to drink? This is nuts. Right. Um, he's already crossing that divide just by a simple question of, hey, can you help me? Type of thing. You know, how much more would be accomplished? How many lives would be better if we humbled ourselves and crossed the groups, crossed the divide, and we're willing to admit we need help sometimes? We're willing to admit, hey, I'm going through something. But how many of us don't want to do that? How many of us don't want to go to police when we need help for something because of pride or because of race or because of something? How many of us don't want to go to you know our bosses or even to our church leaders because we think we're nobody or they're way up here. I can't go to them. And then we try to figure these things out on our own instead of getting out of our own groupings, our mental groupings, our spiritual groupings and trying to ask for help. You know, in all this, we see many of the seeming paradoxes of Jesus' work. By him asking for a drink, it's almost um, metaphorical because he also goes on to say in different times, he who, give, he who gives rest is weary. He who is Israel's Messiah, he speaks to a Samaritan woman. He who has living water asks for a drink from a well. You know, this is stuff that um, is just mind-boggling to me. How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? That's what she says. The immediate woman was impressed by the friendliness of Jesus. It was unusual for her to hear a kind greeting from a Jewish man, for generally speaking, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. You know, they, they generally don't have a conversation, and Jesus has a conversation with a lady typically he's not supposed to have a conversation with. Right. And this guy ends up saying, uh, the... the the person I'm, I'm reading from here, their um, uh, commentary, you know, the woman was impressed by the friendliness of Jesus. How much could we accomplish, politically speaking, if Republicans were more willing to speak with liberals and liberals were more willing to speak with Republicans? Both of them would tell you, oh, we're willing to speak, but they're not willing to work with us. Nah, that, I, I think <laughs> that, that's not how it is. Right. How, many, how, many, how many more people would be reached in the community if... A Baptist church has worked with non-denominational churches that worked with uh, American Methodist Episcopal Church, AME Church, that worked closer with Covenant churches, that worked closer with these different churches. If we work together, how much more would get across to the whole, well, they believe in the rapture and we don't. Or they push people to the ground in their charismatic services and we don't even believe in raising our hands in worship because that's a distraction and we don't want to create this. Like, if we got over the theological divides that our churches have made up that aren't even biblical, to reach people for Jesus, how much better 
I mean, what, look at the increase that we could see in unsaved souls coming to Jesus. Right. And Jesus crossed that divide just by having a conversation with a Samaritan woman. How much more could we see people saved and changed and rearranged and communities strengthened if we just had a freaking conversation? <laughs> right. And, you know, I'm thinking of the same thing now. Is like, what does this mean for us today, right? And I, I'm thinking of that phrase, crossing the divide. And, you know, I, I don't think that hopefully everybody listening to this doesn't need to be reminded that racism is bad, that, you know, identifying people by groups is bad. Hopefully we don't necessarily need to hear that, although that does still exist in our country today. I think the, the real takeaway for us as Christians is much like in the, in the New Testament, I already read uh, Galatians, but in the book of Philemon, uh, the guy Philemon, his slave runs away and runs to Paul, and then Paul sends the, the slave back, and in verse 16 he says, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. And the, the point being is that at this period of time, slavery was obviously very, very common in the Roman world, I mean, everybody had slaves, they were everywhere, it was common. You know, nobody thought twice about it. Yet Paul was taking an incredibly crazy stance, much like Jesus, to say, no, this isn't okay, he's a Christian, you're a Christian, you guys are equal, you know, and much like Jesus. And I think, although the climate is slightly different today, in that, you know, slavery obviously doesn't exist in the country anymore, but we need to have that same type of radical crossing the divide nature of, you know, you know what? It's maybe not enough just to say, hey, racism is bad, groups are bad. But like you said, we actually have to go out and do something. Let's actually work with other churches. Let's actually try to have conversations with people on the other side of the political aisle from you. Let's actually do something that the rest of the world looks at and says, what the heck is this guy doing? He's, you know, having lunch with uh, somebody on the other political side or whatever, you know what I mean? Like something that the world would look at the same way they looked at Jesus eating with the tax collectors, you know? We should be Christians who are doing that type of stuff that is constantly breaking the mold and pushing society forward. Like we should be the example for everybody else as to how to act, you know? And, and I think that's, if anything, I would say is the takeaway from this is not just to understand that putting people into groups is harmful because it can create a divide between you and that group of people but more so let's take the steps to actually reach out to people who are considered social outcasts mm -hmm. or at least with, from the views of the church like the LGBTQ community or you know whatever other groups of people that the church might look at as outcasts with air quotes or as you know people that you don't associate with you know, let's be the types of type of Christians that Jesus was and that Paul was who are, you know, breaking those social norms and say, you know what, even though this is what the church might say or what society says, we're not going to do that because at the end of the day, it's not what the Bible tells mm -hmm. us to do, you know. Well, and, and if you move on later to in the same story of John 4, you know, he says, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
So right, right off the bat, when you say, I have no husband, you're right, you have five husbands. To me, that, that looks as though as someone who doesn't have a good reputation, right? She probably doesn't have a good reputation right. if you have five husbands, <laughs> um, if, you had had, uh, if you have had five husbands. And then it goes back to looking back in the beginning where she went to the well at an odd time. That typically in that culture, when no one would go at noon at one of the hottest parts of the day, and normally they'd go in groups, and she was alone. She was probably a social outcast because she probably had built up a bad reputation for herself. Yet Jesus is still going and having this conversation with him. Right. I feel like, yes, he's fully man, but the part that's fully God knew about the bad reputation beforehand and right. did not care. I like this quote, um, if I can find it here, that I think fits so well with everything we're talking about. Um, In the meeting with the Samaritan woman at the well, John showed us, and this is the quote, Jesus has something to say to those despised by the religious establishment. Jesus has something to say to those despised by the religious establishment. There are people in the church today... You say, you know, and we mentioned it a million times, I'm not going to get deep into it, but like, God hates facts. And you got churches that, you know, they bring in politicians for a conversation, and it's usually a politician that fits their viewpoint. Right. You know, things like that, or it, these different things, and they're trying to put up this vibe. But Jesus had something they, uh, to those despised by the religious establishment. We need to cross that divide. We need to, we need to cross those those things where this lady was despised and by by their by the very nature of their culture she wasn't even supposed to be talked to Jesus wasn't even supposed to talk to her but he did anyways he did not care if you see someone who's despised who's an outcast which from the description of this of this woman she was and Jesus talked to her if you see someone despised if you see someone downtrodden if you see someone just thrown to the ground, per se, spiritually speaking. And I'm not just talking homeless people. Rich people, too. Everybody. Talk to them. You see someone who needs Jesus. And maybe they're wearing a Trump hat, and that bothers the crap out of you. But they're your coworker or your friend. They need Jesus, too. Maybe you see someone who's wearing a shirt says, Blue Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, or, or some slogan that, politically, that you just cannot stand, you know, Maybe you're Democrat, maybe you're Republican, maybe, you know, whatever the case may be. It's not just politics. I'm just using that example. And you're letting that stop you from talking to people and praying for opportunities to reach them for Jesus. And even more extreme, if you were walking down the street and by some crazy chance you saw somebody wearing a shirt that said, I really hate black people. You know, don't let that stop you from talking to them, you know, even if it's not even something incredibly extreme that just you can't stand at all. You know, that shouldn't get in the way. Well, and, and, and here, here's the other thing, like a co-worker, for instance, what is it, Matt, like, or should I say to Jesus? Jesus didn't care, per se, about what he knew about the person. He just wanted to reach them. Right. Now, granted, he knew he's God, so he knows stuff, but as humans... As human beings, why is it like once we start knowing stuff about people, then that changes how we talk to them, approach them, or not approach them? Right. Now I get it if they're like, 
hey, I'm going through some tough times, then you approach them differently for sure. And, you know, and if they if they have some success, they just got a promotion or something, you, you approach them with joy. Yeah, I get it. But why is it we find out, oh, they support they supported Obama? And then it's like you distance yourself from them. Or, oh, you know, they're in favor of this bill or that bill. Or they voted for Trump last time. And then it's like our approach to the gospel changes and it disappears sometimes based off of getting to know someone and things we don't like. Right. Why is it like that? When Jesus talked to people culturally that was the opposite of who he should have been talking to. Why is it we in our groupings, we only talk to people in our groups? Why is it in our groupings, people would point at me as a middle class white male, even though I think I'm poor, middle class white male, and they would, they would uh, have these assumptions about me. That I was raised a certain way, and I had, I had all these things handed to me, and the only people I'm going to reach are, are white people around my age. Right. When in reality, that's the farthest from the truth. And just because you're black doesn't mean you can only reach black people. And just because you're Mexican doesn't mean you can only reach Mexican people. Just because you might be rich, whether it was given to you through inheritance or you've worked for it, doesn't matter. You're not, you don't always, it's not like you can only reach rich people. Right. Poor people can't always reach poor people. And why is it we put these groupings and we say, well, I, I can never reach them. You know, like some like me, I'm not very rich. Why is it do I? Why do people assume I can't reach this high-profile celebrity, or why is it I can't reach this politician? Why can't I have a conversation? Years ago, I had a conversation with um, Raul Reyes, our congressman. I we were evangelizing. I saw him at the mall, and I didn't say, you know what? He's a congressman. He's a politician. He's way up here. He's not going to want to hear what I have to say. I didn't let that stop me. Oh, he's Mexican, I'm white. He, you know, people would assume, oh, I go to church, it's probably full of white people when half our church isn't white, you know. And people would just assume, oh, you're not going to reach him. I still was able to hand him a track and tell him about Jesus for a brief few seconds. Right. Why? Because I didn't let his race, I didn't let his political views, though they might be different than mine, I didn't let that stop me from talking to someone about Jesus and about the gospel. Why? Because the gospel and Jesus is more important than a different race, than a different political belief, than a different, maybe at that time, a different religious belief. Someone comes to your door and knocks, knocks on the door and they tell you they're from the church of Latter-day Saints. Don't let that stop you from trying to reach them for Jesus. Oh, they have a different religious belief than me. So, oh, they're a different race. Or you know what they 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 told me in their testimony in their story they 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 slept around they have STDs I can't associate with them or this and that why does that matter why should that matter we should be reaching everybody regardless of social standing regardless of race regardless of beliefs we should be reaching the whole community of Palm Desert that's where our church is from put input Palm Desert with what I'm about to say with your own community why is it that in Palm Desert we should be reaching all people in Palm Desert, not just the white people in Palm Desert, not just the black people in Palm Desert, not just the rich people, the poor people in Palm Desert, not just the people, you know, just right next to our church, but why aren't we reaching all of Palm Desert? And input your community. Maybe you're from Georgia. Maybe you're from Washington. Maybe you're from the Bahamas. If you are, hook me up with the deal. I want to go someday. <clears throat> Wherever you are, we should be reaching all people in our community, not just certain groups in our community. Yeah, uh, real quick in closing, I just thought of a, a story from your brother's church out in Riverside. And I remember, I don't know if he shared the story or 
somebody else did, but about how one day there was a Jewish man in this service who had been there for however many years and became saved, sitting next to a guy who was a skinhead with uh, swastika tattoos. And I just think about that, it's like, what if that man with the swastika tattoos and whatnot, nobody ever came to talk to him about Jesus because they saw the tattoos or they saw how he looked and they just didn't want to associate with him because they had so much hatred towards what he stood for and what he believed and nobody ever gave him a chance, you know what I mean? And yet here he is today worshiping and serving and saved because of that, you know? And the point being is that it's easy to not want to reach people because of their groups and how, you know, compares to our groups and things like that. And at the end of the day, in God's eyes and what should be in our eyes, everybody's the same. You know, God looks at us all the same way and we need to act that out in how we treat people, how we reach people and, and how we pray for people and whatever else we do in our lives. It should be looking at them the way God looked at them and the way God made them. Yeah, and this is what I would say, is that um, when you look at it, in part of the verse um, between 10 and 12, in John chapter 4, he says, um, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you, he would have given you living water. And I like how I mentioned earlier about conversation. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink. See, Jesus drew the woman into conversation, making her curious about several things. He made her curious about the things of God. If you knew the gift of God, that's what he said. He made her curious about who Jesus is when he references who it is who says to you. He also goes on, he, he made her curious about what he could give her. When he said he would have given you living water. There's a principle connected with the words. If you knew, you would have asked him. And it goes back to if you knew more, you would pray more. There's another principle at work. Jesus, Jesus often speaks to us as if we were more spiritual or understanding than we actually are. You see, why do we treat people the opposite of what Jesus is doing here? Why do we treat people like, oh, they would never come to Christ or they would never understand or like that, the guy with the swastika. And, you know, we don't know what he's going... Maybe that was a bad decision. He, we don't know what's... In, maybe that was a past he lived and he's trying to get right. But no one will give him the time of day. Right. And even if it's not, maybe he truly believes that... Maybe there's a guy in the street who truly believes in, like, white supremacy. They hate Jews. They hate black people. They hate different races. They still need Jesus. They still need to be reached. But we need, we need to approach people not as if they're the scum of the earth. We need to reach people as if they have integrity. We need to reach people as, as, as if, you know, we're not better than them. Because at one point, we didn't know Jesus. And when I say didn't know Jesus, some people grew up in the church doesn't mean you knew Jesus. I mean, we need to treat people and come to people from a state of vulnerability and from a state that is the opposite of before we were Christian. Hey, look, I've been there. I've done that. But Jesus still loves you. You know, like, I've messed up, and you've messed up, but that's okay. Jesus still loves you. Right. You might be Republican. I might bring Democrat. You might be for this social whatever type of movement. I might not be. But let's not let that 
get in the way of, you know, having a conversation. As Christians, why do we stop that? Because you know the world might, might let our social groupings, our Christian, our church groupings, from stopping them from even having dialogue with us. And they might even have hate towards us. But how many of them would be in shock if we came in kindness and actually talked to them about Jesus, even though they know that we might know that they hate God? Right. They would be like, whoa, he wants to talk to me. He wants to have lunch with me, even though I'm a sinner and I've done all these things. That's where we need to cross the divide. We need to get over the groupings. We need to get over the, the, the social divides we put on other people and just reach people. I don't care if you're black, you're white, you're Mexican, you're Asian, you're rich, or you're poor. I don't care if you voted for Trump or you're going to vote for Biden. I don't care if you're a third-party voter. I don't care if you hate politics or you love politics. I don't care if you think pineapple should be on pizza or it shouldn't be on pizza. Which, by the way, it shouldn't be. Um, I do not care. We need to reach people where they're at, regardless of what they look like, regardless of who they are. Because that's what Jesus did just by my story. And by the verse you read in Galatians, too. I mean, this goes beyond groupings. Jesus went beyond groupings. And that's what I would do my ending with. Right. Jesus went beyond political groupings. He went beyond social groupings. He went above and beyond every type of grouping you can imagine just to have a conversation with someone. How many people, and put your city here, how many people in Palm Desert would be reached? How many people in our Coachella Valley would be reached if we went beyond groupings, if we went beyond protesters, if we went beyond pro-cop, anti-cop, if we went beyond uh, pro-movement, anti-movement, if we went, went beyond all those things and just got down to the gospel, would we, we, would we see more people reach and say, I believe we would? Yeah. And, and I guarantee you would, because it's all found in the Bible. Everything you need to know in this life is in the Bible, and Jesus didn't put something, God didn't put something in the Bible that said we need to have this divide. Okay. You could sit down with someone and everything can be figured out. You and your buddy can figure out everything you need to know. It might be hard. Everything you need to know can be found in the Bible. And you can use that book to reach the community if you're willing to go beyond the divide of, of racial groupings, uh, economic groupings, cl uh, social class groupings, and everything and beyond. Right. And that's my final word, my 10-minute, 20, 30, 40-minute <laughs> final word. And one last thing I want to say that I was just thinking of is imagine if it was you that somebody wasn't coming up to to share the gospel with or whatever, right? Like if you see somebody and you're like, this person doesn't look like they would hear what I have to say or this person looks like they or a racist, or this person is of a different group than I am. Imagine if that was you, and how, you know, what you would miss out on if it was, you know, the other way around. I think it's a good way of looking at it, is like, would I want somebody to come up and share the gospel with me if I were still unsaved, whatever, you know, would I want somebody to come up and, you know, have a decent conversation with me, or would I want somebody to come up and ask if I need help, whatever the case is, you know, think about if it was you, in that situation, and odds are, you'll probably be like, you know what, yeah, I would like that. I would want somebody to share the gospel with me or help me out with the situation or have a pleasant conversation with me, you know? And, and we need to, regardless of what that person is or what they've done or who they are or whatever, we need to not allow those things to get in the way of 
what we're called to do as Christians and, you know, what we should be doing. So, oh, and, and uh, another final thought I always have more <laughs> is think about people who walk through your church and no one talks to them, no one says hi to them, no one says, hey, are you new here? Or, hey, I haven't seen you here before and strikes up a conversation with them. They're, after that service, if they even stay for that service, mm-hmm. they're going to walk out, go out to their car, drive off, never come back. And they might even throw in a, a Google or Yelp review saying, <laughs> you know, worship was okay, message was great, whatever, but no one was friendly. We won't be back. Look, look at restaurants. It, it takes many, many visits, good visits, for someone to say, you know what, I'm going to make this a spot. It takes one bad visit to, for them to never go back again. Right. And if you look at someone... And you say, oh, I'm not going to talk to them. You see a guy with a swastika. Or you see, you see a guy who just looks like, oh, just like this big looking criminal. And you don't even know if he is. And you say, you know what? I'm not going to go talk to them. All it takes is that one no for that opportunity to be lost forever. Right. So we need to say yes to every opportunity we could have to talk to people. And it might not be that first conversation that, that gets them saved. It might take multiple conversations and multiple meetups and multiple invitations and months and years of doing that, but one no could be the end of it. But one yes can lead to more yeses and more yeses, which could then lead to the yes of salvation. Right. This is the Brokenness to Faith podcast. This was kind of an open conversation, not necessarily direct, on groupings and how Jesus went above and beyond those groupings. To talk to people. Just have a conversation with people. And hopefully you will go out there and the co-workers you didn't like, the people you feel like, oh, they would never come to God or I can never talk to them. Hopefully you get over that. Go to the Bible. Get wisdom. Pray about it. And see who you can reach that maybe you never thought of or weren't willing to reach before because God cares for them. God loves them. And you might be that one person that might get them crying because they realized, they were just waiting for someone to talk to them. You just never know. Right. And maybe they're hard-headed and maybe they don't even want anything to do with God, but you went out and you talked to him and you at least started a conversation. That could lead to a whole lot more. So thank you guys for listening. Brokennessfaith at gmail.com. Brokenness underscore two underscore faith um, on our Instagram account. Um, let us know any topics you want us to talk about. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for the support. Um, we love you guys. Deuces. Deuces.